than what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Part of the song right here. All due respect to you and Adam. That's a dog on the key. Your vocal, and your vocal stylings. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three and all of the erotica involved in it is brought to you by Campbell and Pound. <laughs> Real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. He's our second guest today that spent last night out in Abbotsford watching the Canucks lose 2-1 to the Seattle Kraken. Thomas Drance, now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Not much, boys. Doing well. How are you? We're good. How was your trip to Abbotsford last night? Well, I, I mean, I listened to the Blue Jays game on the radio on my way out. Tough. Uh, that wasn't a great time. But the game itself, uh, look, the atmosphere in Abbotsford is always, always awesome. Um, you know, the, the, the club didn't dress uh, a big-time lineup. We have seen them dress a pretty significant lineup in the past out in Abbotsford, so it felt a little bit different uh, than it has some other years, but... I mean, it's it's always great to be out there, and uh, and you know the the atmosphere for a preseason game, given that it's in a different setting, uh, that it's in a market that doesn't often get to see like the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, it does make it it does make it interesting. And then the Kraken, um, like I've seen them play twice now in the last week, and with sort of feeble lineups or different lineups or younger lineups. Man, they just play the same way every time. Like every time I see the Kraken whether it's, you know, game seven of the playoffs against Colorado or preseason in Abbotsford, like they play the same way. It's, it's wild. It's honestly, oh, and I say it's wild because it, it reminds me kind of of like the 2003 era, Jock Lemaire, Minnesota wild. Like it, it's, yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> it's really annoying. Is that, is that what the Canucks want to do? I think so. I mean, you can talk about structure, but when you see the crack and play, you see it. You know, like there's no win there. It's uh, it's maniacal when they do it. It's just so obvious. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out because there's lots of reasons why I should have a fade position on the Kraken, right? The team that overachieved last year, uh, no no high end stars. Um, their shooting percentage was outrageous, uh, impossible that they could possibly that they could maintain it for a second consecutive year, and yet. I don't know, man. I, I, that that team, the way they play, uh, like at the very least, they're going to be annoying. Yeah. In to everybody in the Pacific Division, and I think they're going to be more than that. I think they're going to be imposing. If you could put into words what the Canucks' game plan is, like what is their strategy when they go into a game? What are they trying to achieve 
Oh, what yeah. would you say uh, that is? Well, look, I mean, <laughs> we need to give it some time uh, under Rick Tockett to, to see. I can tell you what it was last year, right? Like, I can tell you what Boudreaux was trying to do, in, in my view anyway. Um, I can tell you what Travis Green was trying to do, right? Like, Travis Green was trying to bar the door at 5-on-5. Five five. Don't get buried at 5-on-5 five five and give yourself a chance to win the game on special teams. Like, that was the, the Travis Green approach. Uh, you know, Boudreaux was trying to generate offense on, on the four check and outscore teams. Um, you know, I'm not sure how Rick Tockett's going to play yet. I suspect it's going to look a lot more like green strategy than Boudreaux's based on what the Canucks are generating five on five at the moment, um, based on how conservative their breakouts are. But, mm. you know, I, I don't know yet. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I guess, you know, I, I think it is notable how dependent it's felt this team is on their absolute best players, like on a very small tree uh, of, of their top guys to generate offense, right? Uh, you know, for all that we've talked in the lead up to this season about the club's improved depth, I feel like now, now we're here six days out from opening the season against the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, you know, I don't know that it's shown up. Like, I don't know. I don't know that this team's depth has improved. No, I mean, um, I think that's been the most discouraging thing from the preseason. If you put anything into the preseason is that none of the guys have really stepped up. They've never, like you talk about leveling up who has leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely not their young guys who almost to a man are poised to not make this team. Right. I'm, I'm still waiting to see it from guys like Beauvillier too. Right. Like, mm-hmm. You know, um, at the moment, it feels like he's in pole position to have that top line role, or maybe he's in a battle with Niels Hoaglander. But, I, you know, I don't know that either have shown us pop. I thought Hoaglander had some good minutes and some Hoaglander type minutes, like some iffy decisions last night. Yeah. I, I don't think either player was great. Uh, and so, you know, we, we get back to where like some of the races, and these are races for premium spots, right? We're talking top pair, right? D right. To Quinn Hughes's partner. Uh, we're talking about top line left wing. Um, even if it's just a McKay of fill in, that's a huge spot in the lineup. And I think there's copious reasons to be skeptical uh, about McKay's ability to step in day one. Yeah. Right. And be at a top line level, mm-hmm. given the time that he's missed and the severity uh, of, of having surgery to repair a torn ACL. Right. And the, I mean, you know, I don't even think it's a race to be on JT Miller and Brock Besser's left wing, right? Like, I feel like that's firmed up by Phil DiGiuseppe, right? Who, you know, uh, 17 points is his career high, and that was nine years ago. So, you know, yeah, I I think this team, with how things have sort of played out over the course of training camp, once again, I just, I feel like depth and not depth the way we mean, like third pair, third line, right? Like, support pieces higher up the line secondary scoring that sort of thing yes yeah yeah so, like pretty answer, high leverage support pieces have not answer, sort of shown up you said earlier you said something earlier in the uh in our chat that i wanted to follow up on you, you talked about how the canucks have conservative breakouts what are you seeing uh-huh. from them and what what could that mean yeah i mean it looks to me just from what i've seen that they're trying to connect play with a little more discipline than the punt and hunt <laughs> that we got right. used to under Boudreau. We got the puck. Go, 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 yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
there it feels like there's a lot less desperation to a lot less desperation to move the battle into the neutral zone. They're willing to try and play through teams a little bit more. It, it looks like to me under Rick Tockett, I think you have to play that way if you're going to control uh, games at all. If you're even going to try to control games at all, as opposed to just scoring on the counter. Like, so you're going to have a lot of D to D passes, you mean like partner to partner and then go, okay, well, even though, even though the other team got back and they're in position now, now we start. And and a lot of like low, slow and available sort of um, centermen looping through the defensive zone, right? Mm. Like pretty low. So, um, you know, not, not as, not as I haven't seen as much like super aggressive slashing, um, which is sort of the, the slantish route right. that, that wingers run through the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, that's one thing that I've sort of noted is I think there's more, more connective, more emphasis on connecting play, more emphasis on possession on the breakout, but in a way where, uh, you know, it, it sounds like, right. Like people are used to the idea that if you're, playing conservative on the breakout, you're just going glassing out, right? But but I, I, I'm seeing more of a possession base, but just a, a lot less home run swings being taken as the Canucks try to move the puck up ice as a team. And do you think that could be because they look at this team and they go, we don't have enough D-men that can make those passes to the slashing forwards? Well, or, or it's just because Quinn Hughes wasn't in the lineup last night, yeah. right? Because the last two games I've seen the Canucks play, Live, um, they haven't had Quinn Hughes in the lineup. I wasn't at the game Saturday, so uh, it could be that too, right? It could be that this is how they're going to play with Quinn Hughes on the bench, right? <laughs> that there's a different emphasis. So, um, you know, again, I think we're going to need to see a lot more before we definitively begin to diagnose what this team's trying to do differently. We know that they got way different defensive results under Rick Tockett. I think we already saw last season, especially as the defense changed personnel and got a little more mobile. Like we saw more of that possession game. I, for what it's worth, I think that's right, by the way. Like I think you need to be able to control the puck in the contemporary NHL if you're, mm-hmm. you're going to sustainably win. I, I just, you know, the, the Bruce there it is run was fun, but I, I just, I never bought it watching them play and watching how often other teams are charging back into your zone, right over the blue line, like at a full gallop, um, which was sort of trademark. Uh, that that to me never seemed like it was going to work long term. Uh, you know, maybe this can, but the team. I remain skeptical about this team's ability to do both. Right, like the team's ability to both defend and attack at an above average clip. Because while I don't think I've seen anything that concerns me defensively, right? I mean, I can go into personnel or whatever. Like, there's they, they, these games are not looking like they did last year, win or lose where it's just like an absolute cornucopia of high-quality scoring chances in the Canucks' end, uh, and whether they score or not is completely down to the goaltending, right? Like, it, it doesn't look like that. I think this team's going to be more robust defensively. My, my concern is, can you combine that with an ability to actually generate? We're speaking to Thomas Drans from The Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, I want to play... Answer a little bit of audio from Rick Tockett's post game media availability yesterday, where he talks about <laughs> bearing down and when you get your chances, it's important to hit the net. This is high level hockey stuff that we're talking here, but I think it's yeah. important. Uh, here is Rick Tockett following last night's game, and then we'll pick it up on the other side. Well, just bearing down, like you know, we, we got to get some offense for some guys, you know. Um, 
you know, there's some chances around the net, you know, body, get, get body position and put it in. I think sometimes we're taking things for granted. Oh, oh I got it. But, you know, you got to bear down. And even on those empty, there's a couple of times there's empty nets. You got to hit the net. We've had a tough time this camp hitting the net. Um, so um, that's something we'll work on. I thought we were better in the paint, though. Like we, we talked about it. Mike Yo put a little uh, video together about getting people in the net. I thought we were a lot better at the net, going to the net tonight. So that, that's, a, that's a positive for us. So I managed to extrapolate this out in my mind and then played it out on the air because that's what we do here. Uh, this, those are the words of a coach that knows that scoring chances are not going to be a plenty this year. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. when they arrive, it's important. <laughs> Can't miss the net, guys. For example, when the net is open, you should put the puck on the net, not well, yeah. preferably in the net even. Either one, yeah. you know, because chances are it's got a better chance of going in than if you miss the net. Uh, did you guys see any of the highlights? Like, did you watch the highlights? Were there good quality highlights from that game on the on the sports recap show? There was or, a, or there was you? there was a handful, and I, I'm being like a very loose handful. There wasn't a lot to sort of parse through highlights wise. Because um, in the third period, the Kraken had I'd say three actual empty nets. Right. Right. Uh, Cole Lind had one on a cross seam pass, and he hit the post. Uh, the Kraken had another that was missed. And then they have a, a final one that comes sort of like off of a bouncing puck rebound, right? And Eli Tolvanen, who, by the way, has been probably, if not the best, then the second best player in both of the games that I've seen the Kraken and the Canucks play. Just guy looks primed for a breakout. Um, but finally, his team having missed two empty nets, there's this like parabola puck, right? Just like looping in the air. And he just like there was no doubt about it when he stepped into it, right? Like it was such a confident shot. Right. Um, and it was just like absolutely wired from yeah. 10 feet, right? Like it was probably 95 miles per hour. Like <laughs> there was nothing Casey DeSmith could do. Nothing. Um, and, I, you know, I, I could imagine from Tockett's perspective, right? You see that and you're just like, guys, <laughs> like I need a little more of that. See that? Do, we- do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's called bearing down, boys. That's mm-hmm. what we need to do. Because it was genuinely uh, a, like, it was a badass finish. Like, it was genuinely very cool from Tolvanen. Um, but, you know, Tolvanen's like a pretty high-end shooter here. Um, I don't know that the Canucks have... Like, I, I, he's mentioning these empty nets. I can't even think of them. Like, the only ones that I can really think of were, uh, or you know, and there were moments where the Canucks got chances in tight. Um, but, like, the, really the only ones that I can think of were, like, Dakota Joshua. And those were situations where he's sort of, like, changing his body position, you know, where, where you're almost, like, rotating around. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be hard for you to raise the puck. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called that. You know, uh, not the same level of chance as Cole, Cole Lind hitting the post from, you know, sort of a weird angle um, the way he did. So, but, man, that, that Tolvanen finish was honestly like, I was, in the moment, I was just like, wow, that is a cool finish. They were so decisive and, and just absolutely wired it. It was, it was great. Drance, we got a question for you into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Question for Drance. Do you think the slow preseason is due to the team focusing too much on the new systems. Looks to me, this texture says, like they are overthinking. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, certainly training camp looked different. Like certainly training camp looked different from what I'm used to uh, in terms of the pace, in terms of the amount of time at a whiteboard, and in terms of the amount of time 
um, in which, you know, athletes are on the uh, ice sheet, not necessarily moving fast. Although, right. you know, I, I don't want to give the impression that it wasn't a tough looking practice, right? Like you, by the time you're done with back checker drills and like some of those hidden bag skates and on and on, like these, these still looked like grueling sessions. So, um, you know, it, it was a little different than what I'm used to seeing. I don't, I'm not ready to say that that's a bad thing or a good thing. Uh, just like, you know, if you're having a slow preseason, but it's because you're trying new things and trying to install and download a lot of different structural elements into a team that, you know, you, you think's played too loosey goosey over the last few years. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not prepared to say that that's a problem or I'm not prepared to criticize the coaching staff's approach to that while the games don't count, right? Like the whole point of yeah, it's approaching teaching. things that, yeah, it's the whole teaching. point of approaching things like that is to be, well, it's not to win the preseason. You're not, mm. you know, there's no, there's no preseason president's trophy. What would that be? The vice president's trophy <laughs> that anyone cares about, right? Like it, it, it's all about gearing up for Wednesday. Um, so, you know, I, Maybe like I would say maybe. And if the team is playing or, or, you know, I don't even want to say struggling because it's preseason, but if they're, if if they've been slow this preseason because they're experimenting, because they're trying things, I have zero problem with that. That does not concern me at all. Uh, We only got a couple minutes left and I know you're a big Jays fan. So I want to give you the floor. There's no way I can do this in two minutes, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay. (laughs) Are you asking about the pitching change? whatever you want, but like, let's go to the pitching change because a lot of people are putting that on analytics. (laughs) What do you think of that decision to pull Barrios? Yeah. I think we need to live in a world where like, there's no such thing for me as an analytics decision, right? There's like decisions you can make that are informed by data, but there are good decisions and there are bad decisions. And if you're making a decision based purely off of data without implementing common sense, right? It's never going to be a good decision regardless of how well supported it is by data, right? It's like some of those fourth down plays like um, Staley and the Chargers, you know, we see them do some fourth down plays and like, they're the right calls. It's the right call to go for it on fourth down leading in some of those situations because you can win the game outright if you get it. And if you don't, as we've seen, because they beat the Vikings and the, um, who did they beat last week? The Raiders, right? Because it doesn't actually kill you to lose. It's like when you're up by a touchdown. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. kill you to lose the ball, even in disadvantage, uh, uh, poor field position, because the team needs to score. And there's all sorts of things that can go wrong, including red zone interceptions and on and on. So it's the right decision to go for it. But a fullback, <laughs> a fullback dive and a QB sneak, um, you know, poorly drawn up with zero misdirection. Like if you don't, you can make the right decision from a data perspective, but if you don't also make it with some common sense, uh, it's not a good decision in my mind, you know? And then that to me was the Barrios thing. Like I get that you don't want to leave a pitcher in too long, but you have to use some common sense. And when you've got a guy dealing and you've got a guy like Kikuchi, who's fine, but we all knew, like we all know he doesn't have that bravado. You know, like there was no chance. There was no chance. And and we all knew it the moment they made the change. So I'm all for making data-driven decisions, but you can't, like, just because a decision is supported by data doesn't mean that it's a good decision in sports. Yeah, and it seemed, like they were, it seemed like they were locked in from right at the start of the game, like this was going to happen. Right. 
And right. I wonder if you have to take in. Do you have to take into account that Brios was like pitching against his old team, and maybe I don't know. Like, it's just it's. I, I agree with you, right? Like, like I, I the, the common like the, sense is the final determining factor, right? You're like, okay, look, the decision, and then, and then you have like the common sense question, like, does this make sense? And like yesterday, it didn't. It's the, it's the, you know, right away as a fan, you're like, no, 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 what? No, like you know, if you're having that reaction, <laughs> you know, it's not. It was hilarious watching everyone have the same reaction, even the broadcasters. Like they were like, incredible. is this going to happen? Feel like it, it feels incredible. like it's going to happen because it wasn't, it wasn't like Kikuchi like all of a sudden just appeared in the game. It was like, okay, he's warming up and like this looks like it's going to happen, and then it did, and then it didn't work out. Yeah, and it's like I'm not a big establish it guy in football, but when you're in the red zone and you have Marshawn Lynch and it's second down, like, hey, you know that I don't know if that's the time for a quick slant, even if the data supports it, right? Like, um, I was trying to think, what's the equivalent in hockey here? Because going for it aggressively with an empty net pull with like four minutes to play, at least intuitively, we understand the need to be aggressive. Right, even if the other team scores immediately, yeah. yeah. Like I, I think we at least understand that you need to, you know, um, throw caution to the wind in that situation, especially in a must-win game. So I don't feel like that's it. I, I, Is there something I want, around starting a goalie? Which goalie to to start? Well, I was going to say I think I think one of them might be. You know, I, I heard Frank Saravalli say that he thinks the Canucks' goal is to play Thatcher Demko fifty-five games, which seems conservative, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And yet, I increasingly. I'm convinced that the number of starts a, a, a workhorse starter should make if you want them to be primed for a playoff run is like far lower than we're prepared to accept yet or that any hockey team is prepared mm, to accept yet. Right. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that there's all kinds of regular season games where you should be giving it to your backup, even if you're in the midst of a playoff race. Otherwise, you're going to have, you know, Jake Ottinger in the Western Conference final where you should have this big goalie edge over Aiden Hill. And yet one guy's played 50 games more than the other. And guess what? It doesn't look the way you expect in a, in a hot rink in Texas in, in late May. But, but, but maybe the comparison would be if you were like super stubborn on your opinion there. And then all of a sudden you've got a huge game and you're like, well, our plan says we're going to play the backup. And the backup yeah. is stunk. Mm-hmm. And like your starter is on a heater and he's feeling it. And you need yeah, to win and, I, and I think that probably is it. Except w- when it comes to hockey, like I still think, I still think in that situation you should play your backup. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're in that position sometime, Drant, so we can all roast you afterwards. <laughs> or, or I'll never be in that position, but I'm sure I'll have something to say about it. We're, we're the Canucks to be. <laughs> okay, bud, we're right up against it for time. We got to fly. Yep. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy See the buddy. weekend. We'll do this next week. See you, boys. Bye. Bye. Uh, Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. I'd love to see him explain that to a fiery goalie like Jacob Markstrom or something. Oh, by the way, Marky, I know you have three shoutouts in your last four games, but we're going to give this by one the, the way. Yeah, yeah. The, rink, the rink is electric. Like, you should see these fans have been waiting for a big regular season game like this. Uh, we're going to go with uh, whoever. The next evolution in all of this is when they start doing goalie changes mid-game, like relievers, right? Before the shootout, perhaps? Bring in a new goalie. Maybe you've got a comfortable lead going into the third. You're like, the Smith, you're up, right? You got the third period. That's going to be, and then you give to Thatcher yeah. Damco. He's only played 40 minutes, right? Load management, baby. Yeah, it'd be great. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. You uh, should consider that. I've I've long thought about it. <laughs> you can't, We're too, you know what? We can continue this on the other side. We're way up against it for time. You're listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. 
talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Last chance to get your What We Learns in and a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Guns N' Roses on October 16th at BC Place. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the best What We Learned. Hashtag it WWL. Put a rose emoji in your text. That'll enter you into the grand prize draw to see GNR, Guns and Roses. Not or, Guns and Roses. Uh, October 16th, BC Place. We're going to do our What We Learns first. What if you just want to see roses? Uh, I think there's a garden, <laughs> several gardens that you could probably do that. Uh, no guns allowed. No, just roses. Okay, um, I'm going to start. So yesterday, I learned that the Vancouver Whitecaps clinched a playoff spot. I learned that they beat St. Louis 3-0, St. Louis tops in the West. I also learned that the club is making a real concerted effort and a push, a marketing push, to have Ryan Gold win MLS MVP. So what they've done is they've used a hashtag. I don't know if you're aware of these or not. Mm-hmm. Hashtags. Okay, I'm going to stop talking like that. It's gold MVP. <laughs> but more importantly, they needed like marketing material, promo right. stuff. Mm. So they've distributed hats to a bunch of different media outlets that say working class MVP Ryan Gold. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be thinking, what the hell is a working class MVP? So what happened was earlier this year, uh, MLS at large and Apple and MLS soccer and everyone, they finally decided that they should start paying attention to this guy in Vancouver that is tearing the league apart and is number two in the league, I think, in goal contributions. That's goals set up and goals scored, mm-hmm. right? Um and they're like, we didn't have high expectations for Vancouver, but this this plucky little Scottish guy sure seems to be doing the business. Right. So they did an interview with Vanny, and Vanny said, look, traditionally in this league, designated players are the big, fancy stars from Europe. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the Lionel, names you know. Lionel Messi in Miami and Lorenzo Insigne in Toronto. You pay right. you know, tens of millions of dollars to get them in, and they come in and they've won like Euros and World Cups. He's like, Ryan Gold is the opposite of that because nobody really knew him when he came over here. And he doesn't rest on his laurels mm-hmm. as being a European guy. He actually works his tail off out there. And he said he's the working class designated player. Well, and that's Vanny because Vanny's a socialist. That's right. That adds to this, right? <laughs> Vanny respects a worker. And Ryan Gold, like if you watch him play. Unlike those capitalist pig Designated players sitting back, smoking their cigars. 
I might be projecting now. But anyway, um, what if you watch golf play, there's one thing that I think, even if you don't know anything about the sport, you'll admire about him. He never stops. Never stops working. Never stops running. Just incredible motor. Hounds, guys. Yeah. And he's got a ton of skill. He doesn't rest on the fact that he's like, I got more skill than everybody out here. I could outskill anyone out here. He is truly a working class designated player. And now they want him to be the working class MVP. And look, I know that I might have like a little bit of a more lean towards the caps and mm-hmm. football as a sport because I really love it. But I'm not putting this on just because it's a marketing campaign. Like the guy is really good. He's one of the more endearing athletes that we've had in the city over the last little while. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything that we project about teams that we don't like, he actually has all the attributes of someone that you would like. He came here as the team's best player and he's the team's hardest worker. All the time. Mm-hmm. He plays hurt. And he's fun to watch, And he's too. fun to watch. Yeah. So uh, the working class MVP, Ryan Gold, that's what I learned. Get behind it. Get on social media. Address the hashtag. And go Whitecaps over their final two games of the regular season. Moo cow me. Uh, Laddie, do you have a what we learned? Laddie and basketball. Yeah, I got a quick one. Uh, It's junior hockey, so it's part of my, uh, falls in line with my usual what we learned. I learned some bad news for Giants fans. Uh, (laughs) Sam Honzik. Didn't play the last two periods of the Flames preseason game last night. Oh, boy. Night. Uh, there's rumors that the team is waiting for him to return from camp so they can name him captain of the Vancouver Giants. They mm-hmm. might have to wait a little bit longer now. No word on what the injury was or even why he left the last two periods, but it's assumed that he has some type of injury. Because this was a, a good thing for him because he stuck longer than everyone expected. Like His play impressed mm-hmm. him to the point where they're like, yeah, let's keep him around a little while longer because... Lipinski got cut earlier, right? Yeah, and and Hansik is coming off a big time injury last year that he suffered at the World Juniors, um, so it's kind of concerning that if he's out for any length of time, it might be pretty bad. Well, like get well, cowing get, an injury, yeah, right? get well, but here here comes the moo cow. <laughs> uh, basketball, Ben, quickly with your what we learned. What we learned is artists are loving wearing Vancouver sports jerseys during their concerts. Morgan Wallen was here the last two nights. He wore an Abbotsford Canucks jersey Tuesday and then a skate jersey last night. And then Drake was wearing a Vancouver Grizzlies jersey during his show. Is this new or like... Don't don't they all do this? No. I mean, like Elton John didn't, but... No. <laughs> Wake me up when somebody wears a Vancouver Voodoo jersey. I just didn't expect Morgan Wallen to be rocking a Canucks jersey. Or an Abbotsford, an Abbotsford Canucks jersey. Canucks jersey. That's, that's a deep cut by Morgan. Yeah, I also didn't know that Morgan Wallen was of the fame and popularity to do a two show back to back and so we i drove by last night because we were mm. going to, and i was like what's going on at rogers i mean it's not the canucks they're out in abbotsford and then i realized it was the second night of morgan well there was uh high boots and hats per capita yes there was a lot so. yeah it was packed do you think the abbotsford jersey was a oversight by somebody on his team or is that i think it, you know what it might have been like a clever ad because you could always rock a canucks jersey mm-hmm. the grizzlies is a deep cut you said the voodoo be good one. i would love to see someone do a old school vancouver canadians jersey That'd be that sad. would be great Maybe a vancouver yeah. stealth jersey thrown in there vancouver stealth <laughs> i'd wear a bc Lions ravens jersey. perhaps I'd wear lines jersey an 86ers like the old umbro would be fantastic as well but anyway just just a sec i'm just googling something what are you googling who is Morgan Wallen? Oh, don't Google too much. So <laughs> don't Google too far. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. Guns anymore. and Roses for me, Morgan like, Wallen for the, you. The, yeah. the, so the Taylor Swift thing has been hilarious for me to watch because like, you can sense that there's some frustration from NFL fans that the Swifties are taking over the NFL. And actually, the NFL had to come out with a statement 
defend itself. They had to defend itself. Um, so I guess uh, the NFL on its social media accounts um, have had something Taylor Swift related on its social media accounts. Yeah. And so they came out and said, we frequently change our bios and profile imagery based on what's happening in or around in our games as well as culturally. The Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey news has been a pop cultural moment we've leaned into in real time. Oh, my God. Well, as it, I hate all of this corporate speak. As it's an intersection of sport and entertainment, and we've seen an incredible amount of positivity around the sport. But even like Travis Kelsey is like, all right, we're taking this a bit far. The NFL is really glommed onto this in a sort of like, how do you do, fellow kids? We would like to get in on the action. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, but like, but, but. Because Kelsey said, he's like, NFL, you're overdoing it. Like, he's yeah. he's overdone it. Mm-hmm. He talks about it in any instant city gets, right? He's on a podcast with his brother and he's doing all this media. But it's like, he's the one in it. Like, the reason that there's a Kelsey-Swift relationship is in part because of Kelsey. So I think he gets a little bit more leeway as opposed to, the massive conglomerate that is the NFL who's like, ooh, mm. new customers, <laughs> free clicks, more eyeballs. Like they're just they're, they're gonna milk it for all it's worth, right? I mean, I have enjoyed what everyone has like enjoyed in, in terms of like Travis Kelsey being like the perfect player for this to play out the way it has, just because like he's not Tom Brady, he's not Aaron Rodgers, he's not he's not a name that has transcended sports, right? Yeah. So you know, everyone's seen, seen on, like, Instagram or TikTok or whatever, like, the whole meme about, like, wow, like, you know, t- Taylor Swift really blew up Travis Kelsey and, and all the NFL fans are like, what are you talking about? He's one of the greatest tight ends He's ever. He's a top ever. 10 tight end all time. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's like, have you, have, like, you know, like, wives or girlfriends or daughters or whatever, like, have you heard of Travis Kelsey? Like, yeah, I have. Yeah. Like, he's incredible. <laughs> like, the comedy for that is great, but now... Now it's getting played out. Now it's overplayed. Now you're seeing those, um, whatever they are, viral video, TikTok video attempts, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is all acted, and it's not even, like, well acted. No, I mean, right? it, you we, know, yeah, like, unfortunately, we exist. It's like, oh, great, all the young creative folks are glommed onto this. Laddie and I were Same talking about- Same stuff over and yeah, over. Yeah, Laddie and I were talking about this before the show, is that the content creation and the incessant need for it has basically reduced the world to an event happens, and then for seven to ten days, all the content is just either a reaction or a spoof based off that. There's very few people actually creating stuff. And if you consider the content just the actual video, you're like, but this video is empty calories. There's nothing to this. Do you think those social media, like whatever, they're influencers, like they get into it and they get a lot of followers and they start making a lot of money. And then do you feel like, they're trapped by it. You know what I like? like in it something too? happens and they have to they have to create content. That's totally what it you know, it's like 24-7 yeah. and, and then they're just like, oh God, I guess I gotta Every do this person that comes thing. up in your in your Twitter timeline repeatedly with like insane takes, you're like, what is this person's Can, it's because they're addicted to it or they get some monetary value by constantly. Oh, you know what it is? Up. So it just feel like happen. such an obligation yeah. to like glom onto Every trend that the algorithm is suggesting, like it was, it's just like I love. Isn't it tiring for people? I love the fact that we have a show on for three hours a day, and yeah, we're on social media a little bit, but like, there's no obligation to be on twenty four seven. And we were talking about this yesterday. Like, if Elon Musk runs Twitter into the ground, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I have the energy to start again somewhere else. 
you know, like to start again with a creative following on social media, because it's just like, it's exhausting. And as much as I like somewhere to joke around with people and listeners and Canucks fans throughout the game, like, I don't know if I'm going to work super hard to build up a following because it, it is like, it's endless exhausting work. So I just want to add something onto this is that this isn't a new phenomenon because I've read countless anecdotal things from television writers who put all their best stuff into the first season of a show (laughs) because they just want to make sure it gets picked up. And then it's a hit. And then they're like, now we need another season. And they're like, I'm out of ideas. That they is were all- so interesting. And you can see it. You can see it in that shows. Was, apparently that was, I, and I didn't watch Desperate Housewives, but I read an article with the guy, Mark Cherry, that he's like, I put everything into that first season. And then it's like, well, we need another one. And he's like, uh, maybe uh, someone else can do it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> then all of a sudden that's where you get like, oh, we got a talking dog on the cast or we got Roy or what, you know what I mean? Like, that's what happens. Well, no one sees potential in shows anymore building into something. It's always needs to be a hit right away. What are the Netflix views? Let's but go. But it's the same thing as a, there's a, a core need that once you create something good and it works and it's sad with the viral universe because vi- anything can go viral. It's no reason why. It's largely not because of talent or quality. It's just something goes viral. Then it's like, now what can you give us? And the answer is not, not much. Nothing. Empty calories. Okay, we need to get to the listeners. Uh, give us a moo cow on whatever that was, the way it started. Uh, let's print off some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Do we have a read here? We do. Okay. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God. And Ben, you are who going has to the tell winner? Us. Who has the winner of the Guns N' Roses? Tickets? Waiting to hear back from the for their name right now. Okay, we Ooh, have a winner. Suspense and drama. Don't okay. say it. I'll read one from Bobby in the Okanagan. What we learned. Wait, I'm Bobby. only I'm only 33. Hey, Bobby. Dang it, Bobby. I'm only 33, but I'm realizing I'm missing the good old days when sports weren't run or decided by stats or advanced analytics. The good old gut feelings or tough choices were made by experience. I think for a lot of teams, um, I'm going to make a gambling comparison. Um, they're turning running their teams into like they're grinding it out at the poker table. Right. They're just looking for like sustainable winning strategy. So sure, you don't win the big pot, you win a bunch like, of small pots. But like what I want to see is like, I want to see like <laughs> the big hand. Mm-hmm. Right. Like where everyone's all in and, you know, like it's like a crazy bet and the odds are actually against you in the bet. Like those are the interesting things. Like so there's this disconnect between how you probably should run your team, which is what Jerry DePoto was saying, yeah. where like, yeah, you want to be a sustainable winner. Right. That's what the Canucks are going for. Like give us a sustainable team that it's not like a miracle if they make the playoffs it's like you expect to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. but then is that it do you stop then at just trying to be a sustainable team like the perfect example in the nhl is carolina like i don't think anyone doubts that carolina is a good team or like i I think everyone probably expects them to make the playoffs this season but then you have the question of like do they have enough to get over the hump and actually win a title because that's when it gets interesting when someone like as much as Kekalainen in Columbus has, you know, he's not brought any success really to Columbus. Like 
he's made those teams compelling to watch sometimes when he's gone all in with his decisions, sure. right? Sure. But like you're kind of like, do you want that guy as your GM? You're like, oh, not really. But it sure makes it fun that it's someone else doing it. Right? I don't think that you're ever going to be able to do what Depoto did and walk away from it um, successfully. Do you understand what I mean? I don't think you're ever going to be able to sell uh, an irrational experience, which is being a fan of a sports team, and try and explain it to them in rational terms, right? Mm-hmm. I think every fan, either subconsciously or consciously, understands that this is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, you are quite literally cheering for laundry. Yeah. Once the guy in that laundry leaves, you don't, so you don't really like him anymore. The mercenaries. Care. Yeah, right? And... Part of it is kind of buying into the theory that my team should win all the time. I mean, that's like anytime my team loses, I don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. chalk it up to, well, this is part of the process. No. We come in here and you react and to it. People right? don't, they talk about the 54%. Yeah, 54%. <laughs> it gets you to the top half of the league during the season when you're playing all the crummy right. teams. But what does that 54% get you when you're playing teams that won, hey, 60% of their I'll games, go back. If you ask, 58% yeah. of the, but, but hey, it gets a little tougher at that point, doesn't it? The other thing, too, is like there's a disconnect because they're obviously trying to have a process there where they're trying to take emotion out of the equation, right? That's fine. You just and, and that's But like sports is emotion. Like watch those Phillies fans yesterday. Like right. that's 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 pure human emotion right. and watch the anger of the Blue Jays fans or the anger of the Mariners fans like that's emotion so like that's fine to take that behind the scenes and go okay we got some decisions to make guys like um let's t- yeah. try and take emotion out of this cuz we're trying to do what's best for the ball club here right. but like if you communicate that and you have that if you take emotion out of sports then you're you're taking everything out of what makes it interesting Otherwise, just watch, like, just watch, uh, I don't know, just watch an algorithm on the internet. Sure. You know? Go or have TikTok. a computer simulation year yeah, just after have a, year. That's what and, I mean. Like, yeah. have a computer simulation, and you're like, oh, okay. That's well, how that, it That's not interesting, time. right? Yeah. This is not interesting at all. Uh, Stu with a what we learned, hashtag WWL what we learned. I'm going to play Zach Wilson over Joe Burrow in fantasy this week because that's how lowly I think of the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Jets, Broncos. Uh, an amazing turnaround when you consider where Joe Burrow and his career is at right now. They are. So it's the Bengals are going to Arizona. The Jets are going to Denver. And if you had told me at the beginning of this season that anyone in any fantasy league across the planet would consider starting Zach Wilson over Joe Burrow in week five. I would have said you were nuts, but we're at that stage now. Burrow and the Bengals, I mean, we talked about the Giants season being over, even though they're only one in three. Like, the, the Bengals are very close to having a folded up and let's forget about it season because they don't look like they're anywhere close to turning it around. I know this should be a winnable game, but Arizona's plucky. Like, Arizona's hung around in games this year. Mm-hmm. They've been way better than I thought. Josh Dobbs has been way better than I thought. So that is by no means an easy game for the Bengals this weekend. Brief little NFL sojourn in there, because we do have Thursday night football tonight. Uh, a text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Did you guys talk CFL today? Lions, Bombers, hearing ticket sales through the roof. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be our big uh, kind of hype up the Lions-Bombers game. Yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned this, because t- someone yelled at me on Twitter for not talking about the CFL game. Okay. Huge erection on Twitter. <laughs> what a name. What a name. Is it first name Hugh? Last name Direction. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, take, I'm on the ticket. Slavic master. last name? <laughs> I'm, 
I'm on the Ticketmaster site right now. Um, there are not many seats left in the lower bowl. You can still get some lower bowl seats if you want, but not many. And they have opened up the upper deck or at least a few sections of the upper deck. So this is a huge game, right? Like the, the, the Lions have hung in there. They're tied with the Bombers atop the division. The winner of this game, very good chance that the winner of this game will not only get a first-round bye, but host the CFL West Final. And in my history of following the Lions, the CFL West Final, I've been to, I've been to a probably, there was a game against the Rough Riders a long time ago. I can't even remember the year now. It's probably the best football game I've ever been to. And if the Lions win this game and they do get to host that game, like I think you could look at a crowd or expect a crowd of maybe 40,000 for that game. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't that be fun? So let's go out. Let's cheer on the Lions tomorrow, get the win over the Bombers, and then be able to host that CFL West final. Um, I should also add that Friday may decide who gets the CFL's most outstanding player award because it sure does sound like it's going to go to either. Oh, it's going to, going to Kelly. You think? Yeah. I yeah. I don't I I think that it could be one of. I mean, there's three guys. It's not going to be Vernon Adams. I know. I know some people have. It's not going to be Vernon Adams. Hey, I, there's I, no I, look. There's no chance. It's going to be Chad Kelly. I'm making my push. Ryan Gold for MLS MVP. Vernon Adams. For CFL MVP. But I mostly wanted to bring this up because do you know when and who the last BC Lion to win MOP was? Travis Lulee? No. Later than that, 2014, Solly. Solomon Elamimian. Oh, yeah. BC Lion. The rare defensive player to win MOP. Now, speaking of winners, Ben... Who won the Guns N' Roses tickets? Mike won the Guns N' Roses tickets with a text. I learned that in my eight years of coaching youth baseball, I learned that rolling with a pitcher that's on point is always the right decision. Hopefully, John Schneider, and I'll add in Blue Jays management, learned something yesterday. Like not pulling a guy that's rolling after three and a third innings. Hey, exactly. that guy's rolling, and he's really, like, focused because he's playing his old team let's, in the old team stadium. Let's yank him. All right, let's get the lefty. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Don't forget, it's Ask Us Anything Friday tomorrow as well, so you can start getting those in. You can literally ask us anything. For now, though, we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Basketball Ben, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.